Good morning, and um, obviously, bad news this morning is that I am not Pastor Jordan, and uh, I know a lot of you, if I was you, I would be like, all right, I'm going to turn the TV off and go outside, and uh, I'm not going to listen to this, but the good news is I believe this morning that God's got a word for you, and um, God's been speaking to me this week, and uh, I believe he's going to speak to you this morning. He can use a donkey in the Bible, um, so I feel pretty confident he can use me today. And as we go into the message, I know Caleb just uh, spent time in prayer, but I just want to pray really fast. helps me get my mind right. And uh, so if you'll pray with me, we'll go into time of prayer. God, as we come before you, I do thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, this privilege uh, you have given me this morning, God. And, and I thank you, Lord, the, for the opportunity we have uh, to hear your word today, God, for you to speak to us. Thank you, God, that you are still alive, you still speak, and you still move. We love you, Lord, and we pray you're glorified through all we do this morning, Lord, in your name. Amen. All right, so um, a lot of you may not know me. Again, my name is Taylor. I'm the worship pastor here at Pursuit. And um, a lot of people don't know, when I first was hired on here at the church, I was hired as the youth pastor. I was a student pastor. And um, it was me and Pastor Jordan on staff, uh, by on staff. Uh, we got the positions with no pay. It was awesome. We loved it. It was a great thing. And uh, that's what we did. So I was a student pastor and uh, transitioned pretty quick into student and worship. Um, but I started again as students, and we used to meet in this very room. So at that time, we rented this building that we're in today. Obviously, you're not here, but we rented this building, and we had what is now our kids' area in this room. This room was a lot smaller then. Uh, it held about, I don't know, 120 people probably, and our students would meet in this very room. So I would stand on this very stage every single week. I would get up here with my guitar, and I would try to lead worship, and I grew up uh, playing guitar a little bit, and I learned like three songs that I could play around a campfire to try to get girls, and uh, they were all like George Strait songs, love songs, and that's all I knew. So I would get up, and I would play Here I Am to Worship, like the George Strait version of that song, and uh, I would try my best. I would try to lead worship. There was a lot of weeks. I'm not exaggerating. I would get up. I would start the song by myself. Now, nobody's with me, so I couldn't blame anybody else. I would, my hands and what I was singing were doing two different things, so I would just stop the song about two minutes in. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to pray. We're going to sit down. I'm going to start the message. I put my guitar down. I would get up. I would preach for about four and a half minutes. And then I would do a classic pastor trick of I would realize, hey, I've just preached for four and a half minutes. Like, I, I got to do something else. So I'd do a classic trick of, all right, I feel like some of y'all ain't getting this today. And I would re-preach the whole message again, another four and a half minutes. So now we're about 10 minutes into the whole entire service. I'd pray for as long as I could think to pray. And the whole entire thing would be about 12 minutes long and 12 minutes of misery, and I'd be so embarrassed, I'd walk off the stage, I'd go home and cry on my pillow. I actually didn't do that, but I wanted to, and, uh, but that was kind of how youth ministry went for years and years and years, and if I'm honest, those times kind of sucked, and uh, I didn't really enjoy it that much, and everybody kept telling me that ministry is hard, ministry is tough, so I just thought like this is normal. This is what ministry is, right, and, and I just thought that was how Everybody else, you know, all of these other youth pastors were all like, well, it's just, it's just hard sometimes, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, well, this may be just what it is. And until recently, that I feel like I'm in a healthy place in ministry, I didn't realize how much that kind of did suck, right? And, and I tried to hide it, I tried to act like everything was good. Pastor Jordan was on it pretty quick, and he's like, hey, you got, you're, you're going to drown here. You need to change something. You need to go into uh, just worship ministry. So I did. But, but I look back over those times, and I don't have a lot of great memories, but I'm thankful for them. And this week, God has put those times back in my mind. And I've been thinking about that a lot, about standing on this very stage and preaching to about 12 kids. And all of them were saved. 
Nobody ever got saved because they were already all saved. They already knew the Bible better than I did. I wasn't teaching them anything. I wasn't really adding any value to their life. They would, one of them would like fake cry about every once a month to act like God did something in their life because they loved me and they were supportive of me. And that was about the end of it. And it was tough. Um, but as I look back over that, I started thinking, and God put it in my heart this week as I was thinking about this morning. And uh, obviously, we're all spread out. Uh, wherever you're watching this morning, there's a lot of different locations, and a lot of people are behind the camera. And I was really nervous, and I kind of still am, about sit, standing in this room and not many people being here. Our staff are here. There's people behind cameras. There's going to be people uh, commenting uh, to your, your comments on Facebook, and, and most of our staff's in this room. And I started thinking about the fact there's about a dozen people in here. And God reminded me and put in my heart that, that if I wouldn't have preached to those 12 people back in the day and spent time pouring into them back in the day, I wouldn't be prepared for this opportunity this morning. And, and as I look back over those moments, I, I kind of think about that negatively, but God's like, man, this morning you can preach to these 12 people that are in the room with you because you did that. And, and God has put that in my heart, not that I can pat myself on the back because I wanted to quit most of the time. And honestly, if me and Pastor Jordan weren't such, such close friends, I probably would have. It's like, well, I can't bail on him, so here we are, right? So that's kind of how things went. But, but I felt like, and I feel like God was speaking to me this week, that he prepared me in those moments for now. And, and it may not be a big deal to you this morning, but this is, to me, a massive opportunity and, uh, for my life and the facts are, Caleb uh, got prayed there at the end of the service. He reminded me this morning that it'd probably be the biggest service I've ever preached to. I'm like, thanks, man. It makes me feel so, really great, awesome. He's like, yeah, it's going to be thousands of people watching, like all over TV, Facebook, YouTube. I'm like, sweet, thanks, man. Appreciate that. He's like, you're going to do, you're gonna do all right, too. I'm like, good, all right, all right's good enough. So, but anyway, this is a massive opportunity for me. And again, I felt like God was telling me, if you would have quit then, you wouldn't have this opportunity now. And that's the moral of the story. If I would have quit in those moments, whenever there was 12 kids in here, and I was, every night I would go home defeated. Seriously, every single night. You go through a song, you quit a song, and you can't get through it, then you have to speak. It was terrible, right? Like, I would go home every night, and I'm like, this is the worst thing imaginable. Then I would, I would get with the Lord. I'd get some encouragement. The next week, I'm like, all right, this is going to be different this week. Come in, same thing. And it was tough. But again, I felt like if I would have quit then, I wouldn't have this opportunity today. And I'm learning, and I see it all throughout Scripture, that, that is in our nature, it's in my nature to want to quit. And I wanted to quit in that moment, and, and I think about that, and I think about all the other things that I've quit in my life, that I've given up on, the things that God has given me, opportunities he's given me, things, words that he's put in my heart that I've given up on. And, and I'm learning that it is in my nature to want to quit. It's in my nature to want to give up. It's in our nature as people to want to give up. And, and I see this all throughout Scripture that, that so many times throughout the Old and New Testament, and you see Paul talk about this a ton, he says all the time, don't quit, don't give up, stay in the race, persevere, keep moving, keep going, because he knows and God knows that it is in our nature as people to want to quit, to want to give up, to, to get in something, and a month later we're out of it. Think about, and I think my generation the, probably the worst that this has ever been. We, we get into something, we start a job, we start whatever it is, and a month later it's something else. We've moved on to something different. And I want to talk to you about that this morning because I think it's so powerful, and so many people uh, can relate with this. There's so many people watching this morning that, that you got into a marriage, and I'm not talking about abuse and somebody leaving you. I'm just talking about you and somebody else stood before God and took an oath that this is for life and then you quit on it. And I'm not judging you. There's no judgment this morning. I'm saying it's, it's in our nature. I'm trying to give you examples of, of we like to quit. We get in a marriage, things get hard, things don't go the way we thought, and we quit. 
we get a job, and I, so we see this all the time in our church. Me and uh, Terry Broom were talking about this yesterday. How many people come in and they're like, "Man, Terry, you gotta you gotta pray for me. I, I'm out of work. I'm unemployed. I need a job." It's like, all right, so. Well, some of our staff will pray for him, and we'll keep praying for this person. Let's say his name's Dan. I like to use people's names. I don't know why. Hypothetically speaking, his name's Dan. And uh, so Dan comes in. We pray for him. Dan needs a job, Lord. Let's, let's pray that Dan gets a job. We help him. We get him interviews, all this stuff. Dan gets a job. He's excited. He's pumped. Everybody's celebrating with Dan. Woo-hoo, Dan's got a job. All this stuff. You see Dan out three months later. It's like, hey, man, how's the job going? He's like, ah, I quit. And I'm like, what? what? What do you mean you quit? Like, they was, like, selling drugs out of the back, and, like, you just couldn't handle it? Nah, nah, wasn't that. Like, the boss's wife was, like, hitting on you, and you're just like, I got to get out of here? Nah, man, they just, I just, I just, it wasn't for me. And I'm like, like, what do you mean? It's like, work's not for you? Like, I don't understand. And, and it's like, it's, they're like, well, and this is what we hear. I've heard this so many times. They just want to show me respect. I'm like, I wonder why, Dan. <laughs> like, like, really? That's shocking, right? Like, that's the stuff we do. And again, I'm not judging you if that's you this morning. That's just how we are. And I'm like, you know, people like tell me what to do and stuff. I'm like, I hate when Pastor Jordan does that. Like, he's like, thinks he's the boss or something. Like, he can tell me what to do. Like, that's how we operate. We, we, we get into something, and when it gets hard, we quit it. And, and a lot of times, it's things that God has given us. It's, it's things like marriage. It's things like a job that you feel like God has put, is given you. It's things like small groups and Bible studies and ministry opportunities. Whatever it is, it's something that God puts in your life, puts in your heart, and you quit. It's our nature to do that. And we see in Scripture, I'm going to have two main Scriptures this morning. One is Galatians 6, 9. The other one is Luke 8, 15. And, and Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In Luke 8, 15, these Scriptures are very similar. Luke 8, 15 is the parable of the sower. And Jesus is explaining uh, this, this parable to his disciples. In, in Luke 8, 15, and he says, As for the fruit, uh, as for that, the planted in the good soil, those are who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. He's talking about the seed that is the word that has been planted inside of you in, in a good heart and good soil. And if you hold fast to it with an honest and good heart, you will bear fruit with patience. And as I look at these two scriptures, you can point to the reasons and what the reasons that God shows us that we quit. And Paul warns us all throughout Scripture, and Jesus warns us here as well of things, reasons you're going to want to quit, reasons you're going to want to feel like, man, I feel like God you know, is telling me I need to get in shape. I start going to the gym in January, and then a month later, you're out of the gym. It's like, well, that dang coronavirus, you know. I'm, I'm like, you were quitting way before the coronavirus hit. But stuff like that in your life that we quit, we give up on, he shows us the reason why here. He shows us why we want to quit on marriage. He shows us why we want to quit things that God has given us, words that God has put in our heart and, and put inside of us and planted, the reasons that we give up. And I want to go into that today because a lot of us, there's so many scriptures that talk about bearing fruit, and so many of us, we've never seen good fruit in our lives. We've never seen uh, anything, like any good results. And I believe, again, it's because we give up and we quit, and, and, and Paul and Jesus here point to why that is. And I want to talk about that just for a moment, and then I want to go into something at the end that I think is extremely powerful, that's been absolutely not being dramatic, life-changing for me that I want to share with you. And as we dig into this scripture in Galatians 6, 9, he says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And here's the thing. I believe the first reason that we quit is we don't like this part of this scripture that says, for in due season. Right? We, we see, don't grow weary of doing good, don't give up. 
what we don't like, what I don't like, is in due season. Because I want to see immediate fruit in my life. I want to see something right this instant. I want, to, I want to make a life change, and I want to see the fruit now. I mentioned the gym a second ago. I want to go run one time, which I don't, but if I did, <laughs> I want to go run one time, and I want to see a six-pack. I want to lift weights one time, and I want to be John Doggett, who's our student pastor. I want to look like that, right? That's just how we are. I want to invest in my marriage once. I want to be nice to my wife one day, then that night I want her just to throw herself on me, right? Like that's, that's the results I want in life, right? I want it to be immediate, and I want it right now. And that's how all of us are, and that's funny, but that's how we are. And, and I learned this in a real way when I was younger. Um, my, I grew up uh, not far from here, and you'll, this will explain a lot to a lot of you the way I talk, the way I act, everything, is I grew up on a farm, right? I'm, I was a redneck kid, grew up in overalls, all that stuff, boots every day. That's just how we grew up. And my grandfather farmed about 400 acres, and I learned so much out there from him. And long story short, uh, back in the 70s, my great-grandpa started this thing where he started growing produce, and he would grow watermelons and cantaloupes primarily. He would started doing that out of his house and selling them there, and it kind of became this thing in our community. And when my grandfather uh, when he was older, he kind of took it over, and with my uncle, as my great-grandfather got a little older and couldn't do it anymore, uh, they took it over. And when I was 14, my grandpa came to me, and he's like, here's the deal. You've been, you've been working with us, because in his life, like, if you can walk, you can work. That's, how he, that's just how he was. So he had us out on the farm, like, as soon as we, could, we were old enough, in his eyes, we were out there working. He's like, you've been working hard, and I want to make you a third partner in the watermelon business. And I'm like, sweet. And I'm 14 years old. This is like thousands of dollars we're talking about. I'm like, that is awesome. And he's like, you don't have to put in anything up front. It's my land. It's, it's my seed. It's my knowledge. And me and your uncle will do all that. All you have to do is just be the back, right? You just got to just don't say a word and just work, right? Like, just, that's your job. I'm like, all right, right on. I can do it. I'll do that. So I remember we planted the seeds. We go out, and my grandpa was old school. He didn't like, like, automated stuff. So we had to push plant seven acres of watermelons. I'm not kidding. And he was like 75 years old right there beside me the whole time doing it, so I couldn't complain. But we planted all these watermelons and all these cantaloupes. And I remember going out two weeks later, and uh, I'm so excited. I'm like, man, we did all that work two weeks ago, and today's the day we get to go out and see what it's going to look like. We're going to be getting all these watermelons. I, I could like already taste them. We go out there, and it's like little tiny plants. And I'm like, well, Grandpa? I'm like, I've never been a part of this before, but I feel like, like, this, I feel like this is not good. Like, I feel like this is a failure. And he's like, nah, like, you got like three months before you see fruit. And I was so upset. And I was mad at him. I'm like, you didn't tell me that when I signed up for this. And he's like, which is kind of common knowledge. Like, you plant something, it takes months and months to grow. And he's like, you got to put in the work and go through it before you see any fruit. And I learned that. And I think that we need to learn this morning, and we need to get this in our heart, that, that when you plant something, and so many people right now, you can relate because you're in quarantine, and you brought some plants, and you're trying to grow a garden, and, and you're like me, you go out there and plant it one day, and you want to see fruit the next day, but it, it, as he uses this parable of sowing and reaping, I learned in the watermelon story, like, like that doesn't happen overnight. It's in due season. It's a three-month process. If you're planting uh, fruit, it, it's, it's months. If you're planting a tree, it could be years and decades. You may never see the fruit. It's in due season, and in our lives, whenever I mentioned marriage a second ago, when we try to invest in our marriages, we, and we don't see that fruit immediately. You're like me, you get upset, and, and you want to quit, and you want to give up, and you're like, man, I, I, I don't, this, is, this isn't worth it. I'm not seeing any results. I don't want to do it anymore. So in our marriages, when God says, love your wife like Christ loves the church, we do that a couple of days, and when nothing changes, we quit. 
when you hear the message like last week and Terry talks about submission and all this stuff, you do it for a couple of days and you don't see any results immediately, you don't see it in the first week or the first month, you give up. And so many times we do that. I know with my kids, I've got two little boys. One's uh, just turned one last month and one's about two and a half, something like that, give or take. And, uh, and the two-year-old, he's in this phase and he's been there for months where, where all he says is no to everything. I could be like, you want a cookie? He loves cookies. And he's kind of a heavy set kid, and uh, he loves cookies. And I'm like, you want a cookie? He's like, no. And I'm like, but you do. Like, you do want a cookie. Like, you're lying. And he's like, cookie? I'm like, but you just said no. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And we'll be outside playing, and I'm like, Clayton, hey, bud, we got to go inside. Mom's got uh, food ready. And uh, he doesn't just say no either, which is, makes you maybe want to drop kick him. He's like, mm, no. And like at first, he does it the first couple times. He's like, that's kind of funny. Like, that's pretty hilarious. And he'll just he'll say, mm, no. And, and then he does this weird thing that doesn't make any sense. And if anybody's been around him, I'll see him do this. He'll, he'll, like, I don't know why. He, I, doesn't make, I can't figure it out. He'll be like, mm, no. And then I'll be like, Clayton, don't say no one more time or you're getting a spanking. He'll say, I stuck. And I'm like, you're what? He's like, I'm stuck. And I'm like, like you're standing in the middle of the driveway, son. Like, <laughs> like you're not stuck. He'll be like, he'll start screaming, I stuck, I stuck. And I'm like, the neighbors are going to be over here thinking like I got you in a cage or something. Like, quit saying that. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And he does it. All, every day, he gets stuck in his mind. I'm stuck, Dad. I'm stuck. I think he wants me to feel sorry for him. But anyway, he does this all the time, almost daily. He'll be like, I'll say, hey, you need to eat your strawberries. No. And I'm like, you need to eat them. I stuck. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, that makes no sense. But, but you can't say no. And what I want to do is when we're sitting at dinner and I'm like, eat your strawberries. And I've had a long day. I've been working and, and got a lot of things in my mind. He says, no, I want to be like, whatever, starve to death, it's your deal. I want to eat my food in peace. That's what I want to do, honestly. And a lot of us are that way. If you've got kids, you understand that completely. But my wife, she's a baller. She's like, absolutely not. She's like, he ain't going to say no. She's like, I will spank that boy until he is 18 years old to get him not to say no because we're not going to raise a little punk kid, a little brat who thinks he can say no to everybody and thinks that he can grow up this way and this is okay. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> got me. <laughs> so... So it's like almost every day, I'm not kidding, y'all gonna think I'm a terrible parent, but almost every day we go through the same battle. Almost every single day. And I'm like, it just maybe it's just who he is. Maybe he's just gonna be the kid that says no and he's stuck all for until he's 40. <laughs> he's, gonna, he's gonna be like, somebody's gonna tell him to do something, he's like, I'm stuck. You know, it is what it is. And I'm like, maybe that's just who he is. But my wife's been reminding me that like that's that's not it. Like, like God says that God's word says, train him up in the way that he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Right? And like like, I got to operate out of that. And so every day, even if I don't want to, I got to take him to the stairs, pop him, tell him what he did wrong, leave him in timeout, go back to my seat. And it's annoying as crap. It drives me crazy. And most days, I don't want to do that. But if I quit on him, because if I quit on him because I'm not seeing the fruit right now, because I'm having to do it every single week when he grows up, he's going to suffer from that. I wasn't a good father. But so many times we do that in life, and we just simply quit because we're not seeing the immediate fruit. We invest in our wife. We invest in our husband. And they're not changing, and our marriage is not changing. And we're weeks, and we're weeks, and we're months, and we're years in, and nothing's happening, so we give up. Some of you have been there. You understand it. And this goes all the way from the big things to the small things, your job, whatever it is. The, anything you can think of in life, this is how we do it because we want to see immediate fruit. And again, he says in due season you will reap. Not when you want to. And the other scripture in Luke says, hold fast and you will bear fruit with patience. There's this thing about growing uh, seeds and reaping fruit that takes time. And, and again, I learned that on the farm at an early age, like 
Like this, takes, this stuff takes time. And you got to understand that this morning, that anything you do in life, anything worth doing is going to take time. And, and you're not going to see your results immediately. And the sad reality is for some of you, you want to see fruit tomorrow, you may never see fruit. I was reading something that Terry Broom wrote this week talking about generations to come. You may invest in your children. I may invest in my son Clayton, and I have to be okay knowing that, that I may never see what I really did in his life. Like I, ne- I may never see how God used me in his life. It may be in eternity before I see any results of that. That's reality because God is the one who controls the harvest, not me. And because I don't see immediate results doesn't mean I quit. And it leads me to my next point. The next reason we quit is, as he says in Scripture, he says, don't grow weary of doing good, for in due seasons, if we do not give up, we'll see fruit. And he says, hold fast with patience. And, and another reason that we quit, the next thing is, I believe we operate out of, completely out of feeling. Paul is saying here, in both the, and Jesus is saying in, in both these Scriptures, say, you're gonna, basically, you're going to feel like quitting. You're going to feel like getting tired, you're going to get weary, and you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to stop doing whatever it is. But he's saying don't do it. Don't give in to that feeling inside of you. Don't give in to what you feel in your heart. The the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. He's saying don't give in to that impulse. Don't give in to what you feel. Because here's the thing. When I come home in the afternoons and I've had a long day, in my mind what a long day is, I probably don't even really know what a long day is. Like People are like working 12, 14 hours. Like that's a long day. But when I come home and I feel like I've had a long day and I'm kind of stressed out, what I want to do is, is I want to go home Walk in the door, kiss my wife, maybe, you know, hug her a little bit, stuff like that, you know, and uh, I hadn't seen her all day, and, and I want to hug my kids, tell them I love them, and, and then I want to go sit on the couch, have a snack, and watch TV. That's what I want to do, seriously. That's what I feel like doing pretty much every day, and most of you guys can relate. But, but what we see is we've got to operate out of truth, and what will change your life is instead of operating out of how you feel, I feel like going to the couch. What if we operated out of Jesus Christ says, the, the, the word of God says that I should love my wife like he loves the church and laid his life down for her. So what if I walked in with that? I don't feel like doing a single thing right now, but what if I said, babe, how can I help you right now? How, you're getting ready for dinner. What can I do? Typically, that's one of my children. Just I just don't want to see him for an hour. Like, that's typically how it goes. If you've got kids, you know that, especially if you're quarantined. It's like, if I see him for an hour, I might kill him. Like, just, just take him. Get him out of the kitchen, get him out of the house, maybe get him out of the county for a little while. Like, like that's just how, that's reality. And everybody with kids is going to laugh at that because you understand it. But, but I don't feel like doing that. But Jesus, the, the word of God says that I'm to love my wife like Christ loved the church and laid his life down for it. I'm to love my wife that way. That is the standard. That I come home, it doesn't matter. Nobody gives a crap what I feel like doing. I lay my feelings, my desires down for her. And here's the deal this morning. That is what you signed up for, men. That is when you, when you stood before God, you took an oath, you said, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to be because I am marrying this woman. Terry kind of tore into the women last week. It's my turn for the men because this drives me insane because we see so many men you, you're like, well, that's my wife's job, take care of the kids. <laughs> you know, so I'm not, I, don't, I don't change any diaper, not me. I, I work all day, and I come home, and I just want to drink a beer and sit on the couch. I want to punch you in the throat, to be real honest. Like, that drives me insane. You signed up to love your wife like Christ loved the church. You stood before God, took an oath, and said, I'm going to protect her. I'm going to love her. I'm going to serve her. I'm going to be there for her. And whether you like that or not, that's what you signed up for. That is what you stood before God and said, and that is our responsibility to not operate out of feeling, but to operate out of that truth. I come home, I love my wife, and I've got about 
I don't know, 1.7% of this. i got a long way to go. But I'm, I'm learning it. I'm telling you, it is life-changing. I'm telling you, it'll change your marriage if you just come home and say, man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to change a diaper. I don't want to hold a kid. I, don't wanna, I can't cook for crap, but she wants me to cut these tomatoes or whatever, and I'm going to try my best to not cut my finger off, but this is what my wife needs me to do today, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to serve her, and I'm going to love her, and I'm going to lay down my desires for her. You operate at a truth in your life. The Bible says that I'm, I'm to train my children up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. And there's a lot of days, like I said earlier, I do not want to do that. I feel like, honestly, locking them in the room sometimes. <laughs> like, close the door, let them get it out, and just that be it. But he says you got to train them up. you got to work with them. you gotta, you got you to spend time with them. you got to be a good dad. you got to love them. you gotta, you got to show them Jesus through every single thing that you do and lead them in that way. That's truth. But I want to operate out of what I feel, and I want to sit on the couch. We got to operate out of truth, and you got to get truth in your life. If you don't know how you're supposed to treat your wife, get in the Word. It'll tell you. Google it. It's a scripture on how to be married, right? Like, it'll come right up. Look in the Word of God. Get truth in your life. Operate out of truth, not feeling. Because so many, I can stay on this all day. This has been so powerful in my life because I do this all the time. I operate out of the way I feel, not not the truth of God's Word. We need to operate out of truth. And, and Scripture says in this Luke 8, 15, it says, Hold tight to God's word. Hold tight to the word he's put inside of you. If God says, hey, uh, I'm calling you to start this nonprofit. I'm calling you to start this business. I'm calling you to do X, Y, and Z, that you hold tight to that, that you hold tight to this book. You hold tight to every single thing that he says, and you don't let go of it no matter what you feel like doing. That's what God's word says, and that's what we need to do. We need to operate out of truth. And as I'm getting close to closing here, I didn't say I was closing. I said close to closing. Um, we're gonna, the next point going off of this and this will be quick, as we do this all the time, too, is one other reason we quit is the first two are we don't see immediate results. The second is we, we operate out of feeling and, and not the truth of God's word. And the third is uh, we, don't, we don't like what the fruit that's being produced is. We don't, we, when, the, when we see the fruit, it's not what we expected. When, as I said earlier, as I invest into my wife, and, and I begin to love her like Jesus loves the church, and I try my best to do that, and I see that as the standard, and then my marriage is not what I want, and I'm not seeing the fruit that I thought I would see, and marriage looks different, I give up. When, when my son, whenever the fruit I want to see is him standing at attention when I come home, basically, like, I want him to be perfect. When he's not, I, I get disappointed, and I give up because the fruit that's being produced is not what I wanted. It, it may be coming, but it, but, and I may see it, but it's not what I wanted. I remember growing up on the farm again, me and my grandpa, we planted some watermelons one year, and I was saving up for a truck. I wanted to buy a truck so bad. Like, again, redneck kid, got to have a truck. It's got to have big wheels, got to have big tires. It's got to be expensive, got to have a truck. That's what I got to do. So I was working so hard to get this truck, and, and we went out, we planted this, all these watermelons. I'm thinking, I'm gonna make, I'm, we're going to make all kind of money this year. It's going to be awesome, and I'm going to be able to buy a truck. And we go out to the field when it's time to harvest them, and it didn't rain for like a month. And the little watermelons were little tiny little things that were good, but they were small. And I was so disappointed. I was so upset. And I was out there, you know, kicking the dirt and all this stuff. My grandpa was just, like, sitting in the truck. Doesn't bother him a bit. And uh, he's like, well, did you get that out of you? I'm like, yeah, no, kind of. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still pretty upset. And, and it's something he told me, and I never forget it. He's like, son, you got to understand, like, you can't control the weather. Like, you can't control what, what God does. You can't control anything. You, you can't control if it rains 10 inches or if it doesn't rain at all. You can't control if it's going to be 1,000 degrees or 1 degree. You, 
You have no control over any of that. And he was the kind of guy, he'd give you life lessons. So give me this lesson of, of you can't control your circumstances. You can't control what goes on around you. You can't control what fruit is produced. You just got to go out and harvest what's there. You just got to go out and deal with whatever comes. And, and some of you are so disappointed because you've worked your whole life for something that you feel like, man, God, God gave me this business and God, God gave me this ministry. God gave me this nonprofit and I thought things would be different. I thought, I thought instead of seeing, uh, you know, $10,000 in the bank, I'd be seeing $10 million by now. I thought, I thought, you know, my marriage, I thought it would look different. I, you know, it's not bad. It's not, really, it's not really terrible, but I feel like I've been investing for years and years and years, and this is not what I expected. I feel like I've been raising my kids the right way, but, but they're, they're, still, they're still not following Jesus like I thought they would. And, and what I want to tell you this morning, this leads me to my last point, you can't control the fruit. You can't control what comes. God is the God of the harvest. God controls the fruit. All you can do is water it, keep the weeds out, and do the little bit of work that God's given you to do, and try to be faithful, try to be a good steward. That's all you can do. You can't control the fruit. So if I had to title this message this morning, it's going to sound like it's completely contradicting everything I've said to this point. If I had to title it, it would be Forget the Fruit. And this has been extremely powerful in my life. And again, it sounds almost like I'm contradicting everything else I just said. But the title of this message would be Forget the Fruit. And, and what happens is we focus so much on, on fruit and results and, and what's going to happen tomorrow. We focus so much on all that stuff that, that we almost smothered the fruit, that we almost don't see anything. We have no peace, no joy, and, and that makes us want to quit even more. When you focus on the fruit completely, you're going to want to quit. But I want to tell you this morning that you need to forget the fruit. As I look back, I've been talking about my grandpa a lot this morning because I've had him on my mind a lot the past few weeks. He's, uh, he's in a nursing home, and I can't go see him, which sucks, and um, I hate that. But, and I realize now like, how much he meant to me. Now that I can't see him, I'm like, man, I wish I would have seen him every day. And I realize how much he meant to me. And I think a lot about like, my time I spent with my grandpa farming and doing all these things, all the things that he taught me. And as I look back over my time with him for years and years and years, working together, you know, together almost every day, day and night, like just spending so much time together. What I don't remember a lot of is, is the things we produced. What I don't remember a lot of is, is the watermelons and the wheat and the grain and the, and the soybeans. I don't remember a lot of that. I couldn't tell you what we raised in 2005. I, I couldn't tell you that, right? But what I can remember and what, what I do remember about those times is the time I spent with my grandpa. And what I, what I do remember is, is riding down the road and him teaching me a lesson and him telling me something or telling me a story or telling me a joke. He'd say, man, your mama's going to get mad if he, she knows I tell you this. Don't tell her. And he'd tell me a joke. And what I do remember is, is we'd be sitting around the table, and, uh, and he'd be like, man, you'll never believe what Taylor did this week. He'd tell my whole family, you'll never believe, man, we had this problem, and he fixed it. I'm so proud of him. I'm so, I'm, I'm so proud of him. And, and I look back what motivated me then to work and what motivated me to, to work hard and to do the best that I could was not to see the results, not for the money, not for the fruit. Ultimately, what I really wanted was my grandpa to be proud of me. It's, it's, it's for, for him to say, man, we'd be sitting around Sunday lunch, man, Taylor worked so hard this week. He, he did so good this week. He, he worked so hard. I'm so proud of him. That's, that's what I wanted because I loved him, and he was a great man, and, and, I, and I wanted to be with him, and, and I wanted to please him. And every, We'd have we had old junk tractors and stuff all the time that were breaking down, and he'd be like, hey, I got a problem. Can you fix it? And I would always say yes. Every single time, I'd be like, I have no idea what even that is. Like, I don't even know what you call that. I can't even go to the auto parts store to get it because I don't even know what it is. All right? Like, I was a terrible mechanic, but I would work day and night to fix something for him because I wanted him to be proud of me. 
I wanted him to say, you know, you did good today. You worked hard. Thank you for fixing that. Because I just cared so much about what my grandpa thought about me. And I didn't care about what really anybody else thought, just him. Like, I just wanted him to be proud of me. I wanted him to love me. And I wanted to be with him. And I wonder this morning, if that's the way we lived, how our life would be different. If we said, you know what, I don't really care about what results I get what, what fruit is produced. I don't really care what God uh, necessarily does externally for me. I don't really care if he gives me uh, $5 or $5 million in my business. I don't really care if, if my marriage is what I thought it should be. What I want to do is I want to glorify him. And I want him to be pleased with me. And I want to stand before him uh, one day in heaven. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want. That's what I desire. I just want to please him. I just want to be with him. I just want to spend time with him. I just want to, as scripture says, I want to glorify him above all things. I want to love God with my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, everything in me. What if we said, I don't really care about the results. I, don't, I can't control how my kids end up, but I'm going to raise them right for the glory of God because I want to please him. I love him more than even I do them. And I want, I want to raise him. I want to go home every single day. Every single day when I get home, I want to say, son, I'm, I'm going to show you what my God is like. I'm going, to, I'm going to be an example of him to you, and I'm going to raise you the best that I can because I want to glorify him. And I can't control how you turn out, but I'm going to do it for him. Just like me with my grandpa, what if our heart was, I just want to see God glorified in all that I do. I just want to serve him. I just want to please him. I just want to love him. And I think about it even we're in ministry here at Pursuit, and like, there's so many times for me, we do something, we put a video out, we put a song out, and I'm just like watching, I just, I just want it to go off, I just want you know, thousands of people to see it, and it stresses me out so much, and I'm so disappointed when it doesn't, and, and I may celebrate when it does, but I'm, I'm, I'm it's equally disappointed, if not more, when it doesn't, but the thing I'm learning, and the thing I'm getting is, is if, if God gave me something, I can't control what he does with it, right, if he, if he gives us a song to write, I can't control if one person hears it. But, but I just want to do it and do the best of my ability for his glory. And what if that was your heart with your marriage, with your business, with your, your job, with your kids, everything in life? What if you just said, I just, I just want to glorify him? And I'm telling you, when you, whenever your heart is, I just want to glorify God. I just want to serve him. I just want to please him. Quitting's completely off the table. Paul says in Hebrews 12, I love this scripture, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, run the race with perseverance that is set before you. And he says, this is how you do it. You fix your eyes on Jesus. And, and Paul, we see him in Scripture as he runs, as he goes. He, he goes through so many things. He perseveres through so many things because he has his eyes on Jesus. He's like, this is the way you do it. You, you persevere. You endure. You, you don't give up by fixing your eyes on Jesus. It's a focus thing. You forget the fruit, and you focus on him. And, and in Romans 12, he says, lay your life down. In view of all he's done, just lay your life down. Him, serve him. Love him seek him. What if that was our heart this morning? So that's what I want to encourage you with, just to fix your eyes on Jesus. Forget the fruit. Focus on him. And the weird thing about it is, when you begin to do that, that's whenever you begin to see fruit in your life. I believe it's biblical to want to produce good fruit. Scripture says you'll know a tree by its fruit. I believe that's a biblical principle to, to bear fruit, to be productive, to, to lead people to Jesus, to be an example, all these things, to make disciples, all that is important. And when you begin to focus on Jesus, you begin to see fruit in your life. If you begin to do that in your business, you begin to see fruit in your life. Again, it may not be what you wanted it to be, but you'll begin to bear fruit in your life when you begin to fix your eyes completely on Jesus and focus on him and forget the fruit. So I want to encourage you with that this morning, and I want to invite you now to pray with me. God, as we come before you, Lord, I do thank you for your word today. God, I thank you uh, just for all you're doing in our church and our, in our church family. 
God, I pray, Lord, this morning that you, God, just put this word in our heart, God, to forget the fruit, God, forget the results, God, and focus completely on you, fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on you today, Lord, loving you, serving you, glorifying you with all that we are in us. I pray you're glorified through every single thing that we do, Lord, in your name. Amen.